They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. All right, Randy, it's finally here. Bedlam week has arrived, and this is honestly since OU righted the ship and uh, beat Texas and then has gone on their little mini reign of terror against TCU, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Like, this is the game we've all circled and we've been looking for because, like, I'm sorry, I never had any doubts that OU was going to lose to TCU, and uh, th- those doubts just got lessened and lessened after after they steamrolled Tech and KU. This, this is the game that you're looking at going, this could be the last real competitive game before a potential Big 12 championship uh, berth. Yeah, I mean, this is the one I think, like you say, everyone's had circled on the calendar. They had it circled anyway, with it being a shortened season in the sense of the only one non-conference game, and that being Missouri State. And yeah, it's what gave Oklahoma fans hope to make a Big 12 title game again, because you saw how they started turning things around. And we'll know a lot about this team. I, I think what we've seen from this team, no matter what people say who the opponent was, the way I've judged it from the last several games, They've done something the last several Oklahoma teams haven't done with bad teams. They haven't always put them away. How many times have you said, yeah, they got a victory over them, but they should. Kansas is awful. You know, or this. And that's what we're saying again, but here's the difference. What they've done in the way they put them away, they put them on the ground and then stomped their throat and finished it. You know, and I think that's that's the difference you see in this team right now. They They've got that killer instinct, which really, to be honest, I haven't seen that out of an Oklahoma team in years. And I and that's even some Baker years and Kyler years where they let teams hang around. Well, it's it's been honestly since Sam Bradford was leading this Oklahoma team on the field that I remember a, an Oklahoma team that could put p- people away. And and with that team even they were scoring 60 points a game it felt like after they, you know, had dropped that one to Texas in 08. So it was one of those things that it's not even necessarily that the defense is putting people away. You just knew that that some of the the opponents on their schedule were not physically capable of scoring sixty points. So as long as Oklahoma didn't turn the ball over, it was going to look bad. But that that's not what's happening right mm-hmm. now. This is turnovers forced by the defense, great play by the defensive line, and we haven't even had to have a conversation about the secondary or the linebackers um, over the last three games because. The defensive line has played so well. The linebackers have been clean and just had to make some some brief open field tackles, which they've been able to do. The secondary hasn't had to cover, and when, and when they've had balls kind of thrown up, it's been jump balls as quarterbacks are getting hit, and they've actually come down with them, which, look, right, wrong, or otherwise, that's something we actually haven't seen out of an Oklahoma secondary in quite a few years, that even when balls are thrown straight to their hands, they're catching it. So uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about, Randy, and I think that this matchup is so wild because – we are in such different spots than we were even three, four weeks into the season. Because at the start of the season, other than the Tulsa game where Spencer Sanders got hurt and, and Illingworth came in and he had felt better about it, the Cowboys were rolling. That defense was electric. The offense was just moving along. Nothing super flashy, but good enough to, to not be in games. OU struggled through Kansas State with the loss, struggled through Iowa State with the loss, had to go to double or quadruple overtime, excuse me, to, to beat the Texas Longhorn, stuff like that. All of a sudden, now it's OU that's dropping bombs on people. The OSU defense is still playing well, but since Spencer Sanders has returned, this offense hasn't been going. There have been some some injuries along the offensive line that, that has hampered the play. Chuba Hubbard hasn't been what we thought he would be. Like the only person on that Oklahoma State offense that's doing much is Tylen Wallace, and he's you know putting in a Blitnikoff caliber season. It's just wild to see that over the course of the season they've completely flipped roles ahead of this matchup. Yeah, and what's really crazy, just this matchup in general. I mean, a year ago, if you'd have said, oh, defenses are the def- the difference in this game, we'd all said you're nuts. And that was even with an improved Oklahoma defense even last year, you know, that had issues. And you look at it this year, I mean, Ryan, these two defenses and what they've been able to accomplish makes them legit threats to win a game for either one of these teams. Oklahoma State's defense has played better, but... I will also say this, when I've said earlier that Oklahoma, I thought it's played complimentary football and put people away, I still think as good as Oklahoma State's defense has been at times this year, 
they've got a lot of those issues we've looked back and looked at Oklahoma teams in the past. Yeah, the defense has had moments, but they haven't put the whole 60 minutes together as a defense, in my opinion. And that's kind of been the difference, you know, from Oklahoma State maybe still being undefeated right now. If the defense and offense could put 60 minutes together, they're probably in a completely different area right now. And and that's their problem. Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing, too, is for as good as Oklahoma State's defense has been, and they, they have been good, they're not allowing points to anyone other than Texas, really. And in that game, the Longhorns were handed a ton of short fields due to the fact that Spencer Sanders uh, coated his gloves and bacon grease to yeah. uh, to go into that battle, which, you know, still perplexing. Like, you run down the list here. Seven points to Tulsa, okay? Tulsa hasn't scored on anyone really all year long. They've been, they've been grinding games out. West Virginia, 13 points. No one pretends that West Virginia's offense is any good. Kansas, don't even talk about that. Um, Iowa State, 21 points. Okay, so that's an offense that, that's it's fine. They scored on Oklahoma. So credit there to the Oklahoma State defense for Kansas State, or for Iowa State, excuse me, 21 points. Texas, they they let up 41, like we talked about turnovers and stuff like that. But uh, Ellinger put together those drives late in the game and was able to get it done in overtime, holding Kansas State to 18 points. Fine, that's a backup quarterback and, and all that stuff. Like it's It's not like... This Oklahoma State defense has played an offensive line anywhere close to what they're going to put their hands on on Saturday, but they also haven't played a quarterback that has the high-end talent that Spencer Rattler has, the skill positions like Texas' wide receivers are not what they used to be, things like that. Has this Oklahoma State defense played anyone, Randy? Uh, Tulsa's the closest opponent they've played anyone, being honest. I mean, that's done anything, even on the national scene. I mean, Tulsa jumps into the top 25 this week. You look at that, and let's be real. We talked about that, and yes, Spencer Sanders got hurt. But even before he got hurt, that was early on in the game. They were struggling offensively a little. Tulsa's offense in that game moved the ball. They were really good. What OSU remind, You know what OSU's defense reminds me a lot of right now? And this goes back to if they played anyone. They necessarily haven't done that, but also they've done what a lot of – it's not this level. But it reminds me a lot of those early days Mike Stoops defenses. Hey, go 20 to 20 all day long on us. I I don't care, but we're going to bow our neck when it gets in that red zone. And we're going to make you kick field goals or go for it on four down and come away with nothing. And so I think that's going to be the key this week. Because like you said, they've been able to do that the last couple of weeks, like against Kansas State. You know, Thompson, backup quarterback, young freshman really doesn't look that good right now as a Division One quarterback. I mean, they let him do that. They let some of the other guys. I mean, you even look at Iowa State. They did really well against Iowa State. I'll say this. like They held them in check to a degree by being the bend that don't break defense. But, but at the same time, when you play a better offensive team, can you keep that up for 60 minutes? And that's just what I'm not sure they can do against Oklahoma this week. And again, by by no means am I saying that Oklahoma's magically played a bunch of top ten teams. Oh, you know exactly. what I mean? Like I have I have similar questions about the Oklahoma defense. I know that they've been rolling, but again, the, the last three games, TCU, Texas Tech, Kansas, like no one is overreacting because those are not good opponents. Um, it, it's just like you said earlier, Randy. Something we haven't seen from Oklahoma in a while is doing what you're supposed to do against bad teams. On the flip side, we know that that Oklahoma's offense, if it's not turning the ball over, it scored. It it was Mm -hmm. moving fluidly against Iowa State, the best defense they've played so far. And really, that's without Ramondre Stevenson. Like It's one of those things that, yes, OSU did a a decent job on Brees Hall, but like you said, they they bowed up in the red zone. Well, you're having a guy like Ramondre Stevenson who, who may not be as talented as Brees Hall. He's really dynamic, though. Oklahoma's offensive line is night and day different than what Iowa State had. Then you talk about, okay, well, well, you know, Texas, they contain Texas a little bit, but, and Sam Ellinger went off, okay, well, you have a, a Spencer Rattler who on the high end is much better than Sam Ellinger. And oh, by the way, all of his weapons in the receiving game are much better than anything Texas has to offer in, in the throw game. So it's one of those things that, like, could Oklahoma State's defense be electric here? Absolutely. They, they absolutely could. 
but we haven't seen them play an offense this caliber yet. So that's why I'm kind of like, it's kind of a cop-out, Randy, to say that in this game, they're going to have to make it happen for me to believe it. But I honestly, I need to see Oklahoma State be able to to hang with this offense to believe that they're going to shut Oklahoma down. By no means do I think that, uh, like I'm not saying OU's going to score 60 points here. Like I think 31 would be a good number for the Sooners. But I also am not saying OSU is not just going to stifle this Oklahoma offense. Like I would be more stunned if that happened than if OU popped some extra plays off and got into the forties. You know, I, I'm right there with you, and I'm actually looking something up here because it's it, it's always crazy because you brought up Brees Hall. I mean, in the game he had against Oklahoma, it was it was you know really good game, you know. But it, it's funny how each team is looked at differently. In this in this matchup, try this, okay? Everyone acts like Brees Hall ran wild on Oklahoma, Ryan. And let's compare the two games. Brees Hall, twenty eight carries, one hundred and thirty nine yards. That's one game, right? Right. The other game, twenty carries, one hundred and eighty five yards. Which one do you think he did that against? Which one was which game? Well, the way we talk about it, you would think that the huge performance was against the Sooners, but it wasn't. It's that smaller yardage number, and what what killed him was Brees Hall killed Oklahoma on third downs, Mm -hmm. and he killed Oklahoma State on. He had a few long plays, and then, like you said, Randy, they did a good job of you know tackling him inside the twenty, and then holding out for a field goal or a missed field goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like when I'm comparing the two defenses, everyone wants to go back. Oh, but Brees Hall ripped OU's defense up. And I'm like, guys, he averaged five yards a carry against Oklahoma. And that's, dude, I mean, give me a running back that averaged five yards a carry. I'll take that every day of the week, you know. But, okay, yes, everyone goes, oh, he only had two big runs against Oklahoma State. Okay, he had two big runs. He averaged 9.2 yards a carry. So that was more than two big runs. It's not like he just had two big runs. 180 yards and only carried the ball two more times the rest of the game folks it's like it's so funny that i feel like and i'm being honest here i feel like there's a double standard when it comes to defenses in this state and part of that is because here you are oklahoma a national power somebody that is playing for a national title year in and year out or that's their end goal maybe not playing for it but that's their end goal and then you've got this other team They've made improvements. I'm not ripping them, but this other team, Team B, is playing to get into a conference title game every year. So when they make improvements or have a good game, everyone brags on them like they're this world-beater defense. And when you look at those two stats there alone, you're just going, hey, you know what? That's that's. I, I don't understand. I mean... Brock Purdy's more the concern when you look at the Oklahoma-Iowa State game and the OSU-Iowa State game. He was 12 of 24 for 254 and a touch. Oklahoma State, 19 of 34 for 162 and a touch and an interception. That's what impresses me more about Oklahoma State. Their secondary didn't give up what Oklahoma's secondary did. Brees Hall, to me, you feel better about it, like you were saying with Oklahoma, because you give me... Oklahoma with Stevenson in the backfield. Guess what? Oklahoma's up 7-0 after the open drive against Iowa State. Who knows where that game goes from there? Right. And it's and really like comparing the two games, I know you can't compare everything. You know, football is not an apples right. to apples game. The transitive property doesn't work, that stuff. But what killed OU in the passing game against Iowa State is their corners just didn't tackle people. Like you, you talk about that, is that that Hutchinson, you know, huge long touchdown, like Buki has him and then just doesn't tackle and all of a sudden it's popped off. So that that's where Oklahoma State, like that's where it passes the smell test is they've been sure tackling mm-hmm. all year long, in my opinion, like things like that. That's why, again, I, I'm not here to rag on him and say, oh, he was going to put up 60 and this is a big fraud. Like, right. I, I don't think that. I, I just don't think, like everyone's saying this is going to be a defensive struggle. I'm I'm not there. And another reason why, um, this, this is everyone's favorite segment. It's the weekly moment where Randy has to talk Ryan off a cliff. Oh, boy. Because this is kind of what I, I've been going back and I've been looking in. 
And and Randy, I've come to this conclusion, and you're going to have to talk me off the cliff here. Coming into the season, Chuba Hubbard, highly touted. Obviously, he came back one extra year, um, has gotten the exploits and the plaudits of, of people have pegged him as one of the best running backs in the country. L.D. Brown has been a great story for Oklahoma State this season. He's come in. He's been that change of pace guy, and it's just hilarious because I remember two or three years ago, when Justice Hill was there and Chuba Hubbard comes in as that second guy, you're like, is Chuba Hubbard more talented than Justice Hill? Now, now you're kind of having those same conversations. But I think the most talented back on the field is Roger Stevenson. Like, I, th- I think the best running back on the field in this game is going to be Roger Stevenson. And that is wild to me coming in because he'd only been used as that closer role. Like, am, am I crazy, Randy, after two games against bad defenses to think that? I'll say it this way. I think when you look at the two backs, you know, as far as Stevenson and Hubbard, especially college back, I, I've got to see Stevenson do it more. If you want to tell me the guy that's going to succeed at the next level the most, yeah, I, you're, I'm not going to talk you off the ledge. Stevenson's the better back. Stevenson, by far and away, is the better back for the next level with his speed, size, strength, and even catching ability. I mean, but at the college level, I do have to see it more out of Stevenson. He was a third team back last year and he was very impressive last year, but a game like Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to go. Definitely. Stevenson's a better guy because Hubbard's best game. Let's go back to the Iowa state game. That was the cyclone game. He had 25 carries for a buck 39 and average 5.6 a carry. That by far and away was Chuba Hubbard's best game of the year. And he showed glimpses of being that guy again. But I haven't seen that except one game. So when you look at it, Stevenson has showed more glimpses of that in two games than what Chuba Hubbard has shown in all his games this season. Well, let's not forget, I I, I understand Chuba Hubbard was overused last year and was banged up down that home stretch. But the last time we saw Chuba Hubbard against this Sooner defense, Every time he got hit, it felt like he was laying the ball on the ground. Like that's where Oklahoma got that turnover mm-hmm. bug rolling was was Chuba Hubbard fumbles in Stillwater last year. So it's one of those things. And and look, I don't think it can be understated enough. The gulf in offensive line play is going to make Ramondre Stevenson look that much better. Like if Chuba Hubbard's running behind this same OU I offensive agree. line, it may not even be. You you might be saying, "Oh my gosh, this is a Heisman contender." You know what I mean? Because because of the holes that he's getting now that that they've gotten rolling. But I really think that that's going to be what might kill Oklahoma State here in this game because the the two deficiencies are obviously Tylen Wallace going up against the the Oklahoma secondary. That's the one that OSU is trying to exploit. OU wants to exploit the their defensive line versus OSU's offensive line. And and here's where I think you could get into trouble for Oklahoma State because OU has been really really good this year at containing the run even that Brees Hall game like like we said it was really missed tackles more than anything that killed Oklahoma there and I think that Brees Hall is actually a little more elusive than Hubbard is as wild as Mm -hmm. that seems just in in tight areas Brees Hall is the best running back in the Big 12 right now yeah for sure well he's leading the country right now in rushing if I'm not mistaken and number two in missed tackles Um, but here's where OU if OU can manage to keep Chuba Hubbard and LD Brown in check and OSU's having to bring their cowboy backs in in a max protect to try and, and block and hold. Um, you start playing a numbers game, Randy. What we've talked about all year long is that this defensive line has allowed OU to not have to bring ex- extravagant exotic blitzes. All of a sudden, if you've got five or six guys in coverage, you can afford to roll two guys over to Tylen Wallace and just hope that somebody you know pulls a pass interference instead instead of you know getting a touchdown catch on him or maybe Spencer Sanders underthrows it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like if you're able to play that game, I feel much more confident than that because flipping the other side, OU's offensive line not only have they been getting better and better in pass protection, they've been excellent picking up blitzes. Like I think there's going to be big plays aplenty by this OU offense there for the taking if if they continue to pick up those Jim Knowles blitzes like. The Sooners are going to have guys running wide open. Well, and don't forget, Ryan, part of the forecast on Saturday, at least one projected forecast Saturday, potentially rain. And that's where I go back to siding with Oklahoma and what you're saying, because on both sides of the ball, I mean, as good as OSU's defense has played this year, OU's defense would, I mean, do you think anyone would really argue that maybe OU's defensive line is the best in the Big 12 this year? I, I think it's hands down because, like, uh, as much as I like Trace Ford, those guys, like, the way that Isaiah Thomas has stepped up, 
it, it's become one of those defensive lines that you have to kind of go Isaiah Thomas, Perion Winfrey, uh, Ronnie Perkins. Those Don't guys are the hands there. Okay. Then I'm like, okay, Nick Benito. And then you start rotating Ellison, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. You're going, who do you double? You can't double anyone. Like on this OSU off- uh, defensive line, they're doing it with the, the lines played great. But they also have a little more help with some pressure and some blitzes. The linebackers get involved like, oh, you right now. We're not talking about Asamoa and Deshaun White. We're talking about Nick Benito off the edge and that defensive line. That's it as far as the, the pass rush. Exactly. And so the reason I was bringing that up, because we talked about Oklahoma State's offensive line deficiencies and you bring up Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown. I mean, we, we I brought up Iowa State. That was by far and away probably Oklahoma State offensive line and Hubbard's best game, I would say. Don't you feel like watching them this year? That was their yeah, best for sure. game. Okay, Iowa State's probably right there with Oklahoma's second best, third best defensive line in the conference. Right. Yeah, I, like I, I would put Iowa State third just because they're they're weaker on the inside than Oklahoma State. So where would you put Texas's defensive line? I'm putting Texas at four, and that's only because of Osai. And Osai ran wild, and he's the only dude. Right. But And so that's what I'm saying, four, right? And they have one guy, really against that offensive line. In that game, Hubbard, 72 yards rushing for a 2.9 average. Brown, eight carries, 33 yards. Now it's four-yard average. I mean, those are, those are their two big guys. Kansas State, where does their defensive line rank? Yeah, th- that'd be the other one. You know, four, it's, it's Texas and K-State, okay. four and five there. Okay, L.D. Brown, he had 110 yards. Really good game. 15 carries, 7.3 70, a carry. Chuba Hubbard? Only six carries, 31 yards. I mean, there, there's something not right in that offensive line. There's something not right with Chuba Hubbard. There's just too many inconsistencies between him and Brown. And that's why I feel like when I brought up the weather, there it's been a long time since I've went, hey, you know what? It's probably been P. Ryan and Mixon era when, I, when I've thought, you know what? Hey, if it rained and got muddy and it turned into a slop fest, it heavily favors Oklahoma in a game. And this is one you look at it and go, yeah, if they want to get ugly hog, hog mollies, this is one where Oklahoma's offensive line, I think, can control Oklahoma State's defensive line. And I feel like Oklahoma's defensive line can make the plays and control Oklahoma State on offense. So that's another factor no one's considering when you're looking ahead to this game. Weather could be a major factor where I feel like the big plays would still come out of Oklahoma's offense. I don't think it comes out of Oklahoma State's offense. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that and I think that it can't be understated. Like Oklahoma State's offensive line has been decimated with awful mm-hmm. luck this season. You have two guys basically that they were going to factor in that have to transfer out or retire before the season even starts. They've been dealing with injuries all year long and like right, wrong or otherwise, that sucks. And then you look to OU, and, and what have Sooner fans been frustrated about? Well, Swenson's been playing a lot better, but they've been wanting Anton Harrison to play all year long at left tackle, at right guard, Chris Murray coming on. People are saying this should be an open competition. Like, if you're talking about that, and over the course of, I think this is going to be the most physical game that we've seen all, all year long for both of these teams. And you're saying, okay, well, OU feels like they've got two dudes that could slot in across their five positions along the offensive line. Like if an injury happens in the middle of the game or just you're talking about if no one's injured, but these offensive lines have to lean on the defensive line, OU can start platooning guys in in that second and third quarter to to keep everyone fresh. Like it's just one of those things that I I just think the offensive line uh, mismatch is going to be too glaring for the Cowboys to overcome in this game, unless Spencer Rattler is laying the ball on the ground, throwing interceptions, or there's fumbles out of the running backs or something like that. Because another thing that we haven't talked about yet, Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State, he obviously hasn't had the year that he's wanted to, you know, the injuries, all that stuff. But this Oklahoma State offense has sputtered by their standards, and they have not yet faced another offense on the other sideline that could put any pressure on them. Like Iowa state's offense does not scare you. Texas's offense lit like in the middle of that game, you just had the feeling of OSU was probably telling themselves if we just stop giving up the damn football, we can extend the lead here and finally get some distance. Mm -hmm. This is the first offense that's going to be sitting on the other sideline 
where the Cowboys in the huddle might sit around and go, oh, shit, guys, if we don't score here, they can go put up a field goal. They can bust a playoff for a touchdown, like at any point. So now on top of Spencer Sanders already being a little turnover prone, you're wondering in the back of his mind if he's thinking about is his protection going to hold up. Now he's got that extra invisible added pressure of what's happening on that other sideline. I'm incredibly curious to see how this goes because it's going to go one of two ways. Either Spencer Sanders is a gamer and it's going to, he's going to kick it into a gear we haven't seen from him yet. And he's going to put on a show in Norman, or we're going to see the Spencer Sanders that we saw against Texas. That's trying to do too much. He's throwing straight to DBs, putting the ball on the ground and, and it could get to blowout territory in a hurry. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I think it could be, it could go a couple of ways, Ryan. And I think you're right on both of them. And what I mean by that is I, I think Sanders is going to make some big plays. And part of that's going to be just because he's such an athlete. And it's even the reason he made some big plays against Texas. For everyone wanting to rip what he did in Texas, and it's funny, I saw some Oklahoma State fans that went up to the Kansas State game, and they were actually bitching that, oh, Spencer Sanders is still their starting quarterback. Well, I'll say this much about that. If he isn't their starting quarterback, you can look at it and go, yeah, he cost us the game. If you want to say that, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, meaning the Texas game. But also you can look at it and go, if he's not your starting quarterback, you may not be in that game at that point in time. Because his legs with that offensive line is what allowed them to get there. So I think you're going to see Oklahoma State make some big plays. And as much as we bragged on OU's defense and we bragged on OSU's offense, I'm not going to say this is going to be one of those bedlams where it's going to be 55-45 and we'll give our scores later on. But I think there's going to be some points because, yes, the defense has totally improved in Oklahoma. But secondary hasn't been tested. You know, there's going to be a few times where you've got the best receiver maybe in college playing against you. He's going to get open and he's going to burn. and then. Does that get in if it's Trey Brownie Burns? Does that get in his head a little and all of a sudden he gives up one or two, you know, get a little PTSD, if you will, all of a sudden right. having flashbacks? So I, I think I think that's going to be a thing. I think we could see both, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Spencer Sanders. I really think we're going to see both. We're going to see the Spencer Sanders that goes out and has two or three plays where we're all going, holy crap. And then you're going to see two or three plays where you're going, holy crap. Crap, what was he doing? Plays, you know? Oh, no. Oh, no. What's happening? Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's where we're at. And I think the difference in this game is going to be the other Spencer. And what I mean by that, he so has looked like he's grown up and learned. And granted, he hasn't played great defenses or anything like that lately. But even though he made a bad pass last week, I don't think anyone expected him to be perfect the rest of the year. But you know what right. we haven't seen? Even after making that bad pass last week, he didn't continue to screw up and make the, or two weeks ago, make the same bad play again and again. You know, so he's learning. So I think the difference could be, oh, Rattler may throw a pick and it may go for seven, but I don't expect him to continue to make those mistakes in the game, and that's where I think the difference in this game comes off on Saturday. Yeah, he's he's been resilient, and all, and all you have to do is look to that performance in the Cotton Bowl where you basically get benched and, and after two turnovers, and, and you have to come back in, in the biggest game of, of the season, the biggest game you've ever played in that fall, th- to that point, go into an overtime period, all that stuff. And, and I think it should be noted, you know, whether you believe this or not, Lincoln Riley did put a lot of the blame on that interception against Kansas with a miscommunication with, I believe it was Jeremiah Hall, who, you know, he and was in happened. a scramble drill with. Which that that happens, and and that happens with veteran quarterbacks. That happens with young quarterbacks, and and like you said, it says a lot about Spencer Rattler how he responded. But um, I think that if you're a Sooner fan, uh, we obviously Spencer Sanders is immensely talented. Like he he's going to make big play, like you said. Like and and don't get me wrong, I, I don't think this is going to be a, a defensive shutout on either end. Things like that. Like I think there'll be points, not a sixty-five, right. fifty-five. You know, but I think there'll be points. Um. It, when we talk about Tylen Wallace, he's obviously like Tylen Wallace. If if I pick it, starting offense today, picking a wide receiver, that that's the dude mm-hmm. in college football. Like I, if if Oklahoma State's offensive line, a combination of their offensive line plus Spencer Sanders' feet ability to extend plays, if if they get to four seconds, and I know you 
uh, defender doesn't have his hand on Spencer Sanders pulling him down, like Tyron Wall's going to pull in the catch. Like that, that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Chuba Hubbard, all that stuff. But the one guy, if you're a Sooner fan, that I think that you need to be worried about, Jelani Woods. Because Dylan Stoner, very good wide receiver. Jelani Woods, though, at the Cowboy back, and, and here's why, because of the matchup that's going to elicit. You're going to be seeing, I think, a lot of Jelani Woods against Buki Radley Hiles. Because if I'm Oklahoma State, I'm telling you, that is a physical mismatch that I want to draw up every single play. And Buki, he's had his ups and downs this season, but it's one of those things that no amount of intelligent play can make up for the fact that Jelani Woods looks like, you know, his older stepbrother that's just going to, you know, put him in a in a headlock and give him a noogie just because of the size mm-hmm. difference. And that's something that the Sooner defensive backs, it's no, we're no stranger to looking at that. And Norman is, look at Charlie Kolar, things like that. Like, it's just been a problem for this defense. There's not a ton you can do when, when you've got a, a seven-inch deficit out there, whatever. So I think that Jelani Woods could be that dude because he, he's not as gifted as Charlie Kolar, but it's pretty close. I think I think he might be a little more athletic than Kolar. Kolar is a little craftier and just a, a better, you know, tight end overall. But uh, that's the guy that if Jelani Woods has a big day, I think the Sooners' defense could be in trouble because I, I don't know what the answer is for him, other than bringing some safety help over the middle. And guess what? The second that you do that, Tylen Wallace is dancing in the end zone with a fifty-yard bomb. I'll say this right now: fully agree with what you're saying. I'm almost confident, five percent chance that happens. Because you got Captain Denny's menu on the sidelines across the way. (laughs) I mean, he'll try to order the number three grand slam or something like that special off his menu as he throws it around. And and, and I don't mean to be hateful in saying that, but what you just described is a matchup nightmare Jelani Woods has had all season long for the Cowboys. I mean, and they haven't used it. So I I don't see any reason why, why... Granted, Oklahoma's your big rival, but why haven't you exploited that advantage all season long? Look at Jelani Woods. Everyone sees he's talented. How many tweets have you seen over the last couple of weeks? Why don't they use this kid more? Why don't they use Uh, this kid more? The more important thing, Randy, is how many fleets have you seen over the last 24 hours? Yeah. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Uh, shout out shout out to twitter for just becoming instagram oh god uh but anyway you get what i'm saying so i i just i don't see that man i just i i see it in the sense of a logical human being saying that's what's going to happen i don't know why you would have kept him in storage so long to save him for this game well i i think the answer lies honestly randy in it's been out of necessity to keep Spencer Sanders and Shane Ellingworth up upright because um, th- that's the blessing and the curse of having a talented H back is uh, they're going to be brought in a lot in pass protection. And we've seen Oklahoma state in a ton of max protect. So like, I, I think that that would be why. And, and I, I can understand the train of thought of if you've had trouble with your offensive line. Now you're suddenly playing the best defensive line you'll face. Why are you all of a sudden going to unlock it? Well, that might tell me, okay, you can still use Jelani to you know chip off the edge and then understand that you you haven't been able to to keep the pressure out of the backfield all year long you might as well just maybe send him over the middle on a little drag a little mesh or something and and that way sanders has has a dude that he can just unload it to and and yeah nickel and diamond book you to death at seven or eight yards that like that's going to get you a bunch of points so that would be my train of thought of this is the game where you just have to say Screw it. Like they're going to hit home anyway. If that's the problem that we're having, you might as well put them out there on a little delayed route, a little delayed pattern and see if you can at least get some of that back. Well, I'll go with this. If that's still the reason I still say 5% chance happens because the Oklahoma defensive line is going to hit home. You're going to need to keep somebody back in there. So I get what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't see you've played less defensive lines that you felt like you needed to keep help in for. How are you going to do it against the best defensive line in the Big 12 Conference? And one that, because you mentioned double teams, the last two weeks, and granted, not great teams. Again, it was the first time I've seen a down lineman for Oklahoma get double teamed. God, it may be all the way back to Gerald McCoy. I know I'm probably going way too far for that. But you get what I'm saying? Winfrey was getting double teamed at TCU, at Texas Tech, and against Kansas. 
get drawing double teams. When was the last time we've seen a nose guard in Norman get double teamed? It doesn't. Right. I mean, it hasn't happened. So that offensive line for Oklahoma State, they're going to have their hands full, and so they're going to need everyone in there to help Sanders. Now, I'm not saying Woods won't catch some balls, but I just don't. I don't know if he's going to be as big a factor as everyone thinks he should be. Right. Right. So. That would that that's just my area of concern. For the I Oklahoma get your yeah, I get out, it. Yeah, out outside of the obvious, like Tyon Wallace, real good at football. Um, flipping over to the offense, um, like like I've said, I think that this offense is going to have some success against the Oklahoma State defense. By no means is it going to be easy. You should expect to see punts because this OSU defense, like they they are just better than mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the units that they've faced. Absolutely. Um, no doubt. What's your area of concern for the offense? Like, if you're saying the OSU wins this game, what went wrong on the offense other than just turnovers? I think one of them would be, and it's still a concern, and I think they've gotten a thousand percent better from the first few games. Crucial drops, because yeah, turnovers are bigger because you're going to get the ball if you fumble it or throw an interception at your own thirty. They're going to get the ball that much closer to the end zone, but just. In my category, what classifies also as a turnover are the ones when a guy has a third and five like Austin Stogner in a couple of games against Iowa State. Hey, right in the numbers, that's a first down. You're going to keep the ball and keep driving, but you drop the ball and you go three and out. If they lose this game, and I could see them even losing it potentially without without a turnover. Right. If they have a bunch of drops where those key third down plays that would just extend a drive to keep the ball in the hands, to get the defense a rest, to go put some points on the board and keep pressure on. That's what went wrong. You had some of those guys, your Weeses, your Stogners. I'm not expecting them to catch everything, but you can't look at one guy when we're doing this post game podcast this weekend, Ryan, and go, man, Weese had six drop balls on Saturday and feel like Oklahoma is going to win the game. Unless Stevenson ends with 300 yards rushing like the kid from Buffalo did tonight. I mean, that's the only way. Yeah. Now, I'm in the exact same spot as you, Randy, because this is the most talented safety pairing in in Colby Harville, Peel, and Trey Sterling that OU will face until they play uh, maybe some vaunted SEC defense in a a bowl game, something like that. Like, this is the best uh, safety pairing in the Big 12. And and what is... Austin Stogner has struggled at times this year. He we saw it against TCU against Morig. I think that's how you say it. Um, against the physical corners and safeties. Well, guess what? The those guys were physical and a little bit undersized. These guys are gonna be able to body up Austin Stogner a little bit. And we we've seen that he struggled to make those competitive catches. Then you move on to the fact that Theo East has dropped not one but two touchdown passes this year. One of them very, very costly in that Iowa State game where, where Spencer Rattler was rolling out and put it right on a dime. Marvin Mims even had a drop. Um, I believe in that Texas Tech game that was that was, you know, uncharacteristic. And look, I, I know that we've uh been excited to see Jaden Hazelwood back on the field, things like that. But let's be honest, the dude was cleared on Thursday of Kansas week. So yeah. he saw uh, the the first bit of physicality he saw was against Kansas, where he only had one catch. It was a nice catch, 33-yard grab, albeit. But he only saw you know one contact game against Kansas, and no one's going to count Kansas as an actual full contact game. And then what, he's, what work he's been able to get in the bye week, which he may have, you know, leaps and bounds he may be full speed we don't know because all that's understandably behind closed doors so like i think that i struggle to come into this game and and reliably say i believe Jaden hazelwood's going to be the difference maker because it's a lot to put on a guy that hasn't played football because he's, he's been hurt austin stogner um you know we'll see if he's 100 percent. lincoln riley said he expects him to go but he also said that he hadn't been on the field last week so, you know, you know, he said that in his, his Monday teleconference. So we'll see if Stogner's back up to speed and, and if Theo Weiss can hang on to some of those balls. But that's what killed him against Iowa State. There were plenty of times that Spencer Rattler um, worked his way out of some trouble and, and not even just touchdown drops, mm-hmm. Randy, but it's these third down drops that have been killers. And uh, like you said, they, they're as good as turnovers because it's it's stuff that you should be able to extend drives and 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 get into that red zone situation where we feel like with Ramondre Stevenson, they'll be a lot better. So that that would be my biggest area of concern because as good as this OSU uh, defensive line has been, I really feel like if if the Cowboys are living in the backfield, it's not because the offensive line's playing poorly. It's just because 
OSU's bringing so much pressure that, and creative blitzes that OU's unable to pick it up and give Rattler enough time to get that ball out. No, no doubt. I mean, because that that's the thing that would be the issue, you know, at, at that point in time in the game. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned as well how it, you know, we were talking about those workers turnovers. I mean, yeah, it's not all about the touchdowns. I mean, but it could be about points. That could be that five, 10 yard completion could put them in field goal range to get an extra three, you know, and because I think all that goes back to what you said earlier with Spencer Sanders and the pressure that's going to be on him to make plays. Every time you can put points on the board or keep the ball away from that offense where their window shrinks as far as the amount of time they have to go do anything offensively, that just mounts that pressure on that Cowboy offense and puts Sanders in a spot to make mistakes, Ryan. And so, yeah, you just can't do that. That That's... I mean, really, to me, that's what sums up Saturday for Oklahoma. You got yeah, to make then, the plays. Yeah, and then, uh, like the last thing, you talk about the weather. Um, this is a huge game, and I know the cliche, but it's been true. We've seen it. OU has turned games around with special teams. They've lost a game in Iowa State with a big special teams blunder. Similarly, Oklahoma or, or, State. That or tech, you could that also, like in other years, you could just make a repunt and you know. Yeah, you. Yeah. I, 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 like I'm saying, you don't have to look to this season. You can just talk in this series. There's a re-kick. There's a fake field goal touchdown that people talk about. You know onside what I mean? Like kick. exactly onside kicks going both ways. But OSU that Texas game really got killed by a kickoff return for a touchdown and then a, a bad roughing the kicker on a fourth down. Like in the weather, that's going to be a, a huge factor. But Randy, this line's been all over the place. It opened at nine and a half most places. I saw it get bet down to five at one spot. It's it's back to hovering at about seven for the Sooners. So uh, seven, is, is that about right what we got? What, what, what are you thinking? I'm thinking seven. I mean, that's at least, if you want a good line for Vegas, seven's right. Uh, and yeah. I mean, that that's right there because they're going to get money on each side. I think nine, yeah, it's probably worth, if you feel good about Oklahoma State and where they're at, I see why it was bet down so fast. But I also see the reason to return back to seven quickly. You know, yeah, I, I, I mean, that, uh, it's interesting. I think we're all in the same spot here because I thought that nine and a half number was actually perfect mm-hmm. because you talk about it being nine and a half with a total of 59. I had 34-24 in this game. So, so to me, that makes perfect sense as far as 10-point spread, you're putting up, what, 58 points if my maths are mm-hmm. mathing correctly. Like, I-, I thought that was the perfect spot for this game. Yeah, I mean, if we're giving scores, I had 42-28. That's kind of where I'm at in this game. I mean... 42-28. Ooh, a yeah, lot of I points mean, there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Oklahoma State's going to score. I-, I Don't get me wrong. I think Rattler's going to get a turnover or two in there. But I think Sanders is going to equal that number. And I think that's the difference in the game, too, you know what they do with those turnovers, where I feel better about Oklahoma capitalizing offensively. So the, the last thing I want to touch on here before we get out of here, and we can do this really quick, you've kind of talked about it already, but there's something that looms over this game that we haven't really dove into, and that is that Mike Gundy comes in with the most conservative game plans ever for this game. And I think that in that Texas game, him having a good defense made him even more conservative at spots. So the question I have is like, it's not about Mike Gundy. I'm a hundred percent expecting a conservative game plan. I would be stunned if we see anything else because in 15 years or whatever it's been of Mike Gundy, that's what we come to expect. Well, look at his game. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I I was going to ask like Gundy's going to coach conservative. That's just what he does in Bedlam. Do we expect Lincoln Riley to come out and be super aggressive? Or do you see this playing out like the heavyweight fight where they kind of feel themselves out through the first quarter and a half and and then see what's happening? Well, uh, Riley, I think, will go guns a-blazing. I think he's going to go out and just do his thing. Gundy, I mean, we talk about it. I think you're a little right with the defense. You know, it's played better this year because – Forget the Texas game. Look at Oklahoma State's offense in general this year. It hasn't been electric when you look at it. And I'm not blaming anyone for it. I think part of it is the conservativeness. Hey, we got a good defense. Let's not go out and do anything to fuck it up, you know, and 
and screw up a game. Let's just let's just keep it going. And I, I think that's what's happening right now. I think you're going to see OU take risks early because I think they feel like they can. I think that's the difference between these two coaches with a good defense right now. And Gundy could prove me all wrong on Saturday. But I think you see Riley going, hey, you know what? I got a good defense. I got a pretty damn good defense. We're going to take some risks because if we mess up, they're going to get us out of this. I think Gundy's going to look at it and go, I got a pretty good defense. Let's not fuck it up. And he's going to be conservative and play right into Oklahoma's hands defensively. Yeah, like I honestly, Randy, have waited for this since the moment that Alex Grinch was named the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, because what what the smart money said is, and I don't know how much you buy into this or whatever, but there there is a, a pace rating of, of how well defensive coordinators um, coach when the pacing of their offense, because you talk about complementary football. What was so attractive about Alex Grinch's style is it is made to play in concert with an offense that runs at Mm -hmm. a blazing pace because it's focused on attacking attacking platooning your guys and and turning the ball over to get the ball back to your offense and I think that this is the first time we're going to see a big game where Lincoln Riley has full faith 100% faith in that defense so I I know that since he's come to Norman Lincoln has, has gotten a lot better about leaning on that power run game not playing a super big hurry up using that entire play clock to make sure they check into the right play mm-hmm. because if OU's in the right play, that's more important than just going fast. I get that. I want to see what Lincoln Riley does when he has full faith that his defense, whatever he does on offense, is going to give him the ball back. And I'm really interested, and I have really high hopes for some of the creativity we're going to see out of Lincoln Riley. I don't know if it'll pan out, but I have really high hopes for it, and I just hope we're rewarded with that. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think I think it's going to be a fun game Saturday. I really do. I think it's, it's almost the sad part, and God, you know, not to get into health issues or anything, it's kind of sad the weather's going to be nice because even with limited fans, I felt like this was going to be the one game this year that got you to feel a little bit like the old days with football being a full house right. and everything like that. And don't get me wrong. I think all the fans that are have tickets will show up, but I don't know if the atmosphere I thought that would be outside the stadium will be there if it's crappy weather. Because I got to admit, if you don't have tickets, why would you go stand outside in the rain to watch it You know, sure. on TV or anything? But if it was like today's weather, holy crap, the crowd would it would have been fun. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Saturday will be exciting. I think you're going to see some risk. And I know I ripped Gundy and it's kind of funny because you brought him up about being conservative. And I've got some OSU friends and they've actually come along to kind of agree with what I've said about Gundy all along. Another reason I, I see conservative and you look back at Oklahoma State's history. Their best coaches against Oklahoma have no dog in the fight as far as the Bedlam rivalry in their history. Right. Because even though Oklahoma's great, hey, they're just another team. We're going to go beat them. Until Gundy proves it to me, he's got a mental block like any Oklahoma State former player does when it comes to Oklahoma. When things start going wrong, it's a snowball effect. Right. And the way he's won against Oklahoma for the most part a stupid Bob Stoops decision to repunt. And then it's just and a much better team. That's what I say. He's got to have the much, much better team. And to me, that's definitely not, he doesn't have that this year. Well, that's Randy, I don't think, I don't think that we see a snowball effect. I think we see an ice bowl effect. Oh, really? Ice bowl? I, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is that it's not a snowball effect for that mental block. Oh, it's an ice bowl okay. effect. Where, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Uh, like you said, it should be one hell of a football game. Either way, no matter what happens, whether it's a blowout, whether it's it's a last second field goal, whether OSU wins by a thousand, like doesn't matter what's going on. We will be with you. Uh, we in the in the morning hours of Sunday, but th- the podcast won't come out till Sunday night. We're sorry, sorry. Some of us have to sleep. Ed- editing on no sleep is just not not a good idea. So we will have that for you. But keep your eyes peeled at RJ Heights 107.7, at Radio's Ryan. Keep it locked in to those Twitter feeds. We will have tweets. We might even have fleets. Uh, a lot of opportunity for your questions, to, to interact, 
and a response. So, so keep it locked in there. That's that's what you'll need to to monitor to get in on that post game fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait to recap it. And guys, Oklahoma wins. They're fully. I mean, I know still need one or two things to happen, but they're in the driver's seat to go for a six straight title. They're in the driver's seat, and all you need is Texas to beat Iowa State, and it could be an OU Texas rematch. Who would have thought that? In the crazy year where it was going to be anyone's race, an OU Texas Big 12 championship would be but perfect. How about this? Do we really want that again, or do we want Iowa State? Look, I, I'm here for so there was a little bit of magic. And I forget which actual division of the ACC it is that is not the Clemson division, but they have all participated in the ACC title game. Isn't it? I kind of want. Sure. Well, it's the Atlantic and the Coastal. So right. whichever, whatever, yeah. Yeah. whichever one is not, I think it's the Coastal. Don't quote me on it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but I really would like the Big Twelve to recapture a little bit of that magic. And to go on a nine-year streak where OU is playing a rematch against someone else. I'm like, OU doesn't have to win all of them, sure. But I think it'd be really fun if this year we get an Iowa State, next year Kansas State gets in there. And then you're like, okay, well, OSU, we need OSU to get back there. The, the the kicker here is we need Kansas to somehow you know get it together. We need West Virginia to get it rolling and, and Texas Tech. Like Those are going to be the three that kill us. But I, I think that it would be a lot of fun to have that. I, I think it would. But I'm telling you right now, I think I want Iowa State. Because, A, I can't stand Tom Herman, and this would be the year of all years. Even though they would have no right to a title, they don't deserve it. That somehow something freaky would happen, whether it's half the team for Oklahoma got put in COVID quarantine or not, that Texas wins a Big 12 title. And you'd have to look at that idiot dance on the sidelines like you did against Drew Locke. But I, I, why'd you have to bring Urban Meyer into this? Like, woe is me. When, when you talk about Urban Meyer... It just makes it. It just makes it. I didn't say Urban so Meyer. Hard. I didn't it say Urban. It's so hard to recruit. Get out of here, stop! When, oh, when yeah. you bring Urban Meyer, the other teams. Oh yeah, they're so I forgot mean. about that. What? They start photoshopping headlines, and it's just like, because you suck, Herman. Go order your burger and let everyone else get lobster. He should have been fired on the spot for complaining about that. Yes, little ball bag. It's just it's it must awful. be his okay. time, it must be his time of the month. Yeah, we need we need to cut this off before we get into into real trouble. Like I said, at RJ Heights one hundred seven seven at Radios Ryan. Follow those two Twitter accounts. That will be the first place you will know when the post game pod is out. Everyone, stay dry, stay warm, stay safe. Let's get fired up. A huge game, and I hope to see. A lot of you ugly bastards on the virtual fan for college game day. Like that's what I want to see. So tweet us at RJ Heights 1077 at Radius Ryan. If you get into that virtual fan stuff for game day, let us know how that goes. Until next time, we will see you.